what about going to the next meeting and asking everyone how they feel about the work that they're doing? Yeah. And take a moment to really pause and create some space for candid conversation. You know, you can have a, a, a around, you know, you can go around the table if you'd like. Um, you can, I, I recommend that if you do that, that you role model that, that you go first. Um, and then also uh, I recommend that you uh, honor the agenda by, and but I mean by that is being respectful of people's time. That, that activity usually takes, you know, a little bit of time. Um, depending on the number of people that are in the room. So carve out some time on the agenda to, uh, to do, you know, an initial check-in, if you will. So I think bringing in that level of um, connection into an organization is different, and it's also very much needed. Do you feel like you're living just reactionary in your work life? Um, if so, today's guest, Erica Medina Stanulis, um, will talk about how she helps companies and teams overcome some of those hurdles using a unique framework around nature. Um, so let's jump into the interview with Erica. All right. Well, today on the show, we have Erica Stanulis from Follow the Sun Consulting, right? Did I, did I get that right, Erica? Yep, that is yeah. correct. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. Um, you know, you, I know we had, we had met um, previously and you explained a little bit of, of what you do. And so a little bit of this will be a rehash, but I wonder if you could just introduce mm -hmm. yourself um, and tell us the story about how you got to doing what you're doing with Follow the Sun. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, so how did I get started in, uh, in doing this? So this is a little bit of an origin story, right? So I, um, I had been working about 15 years uh, doing operational excellence work. And I had reached this point in my career where I was working on a site transformation. And for someone that does uh, operational excellence work, this is like the creme de la creme of all projects, right? This is where you take all of the technical processes and you redesign a future, an ideal future state for them. And then you also uh, bring in the supporting people work streams like change management, talent acquisition, uh, communication, PR to support the people side of change. So for someone that's been doing this for you know, most of her career, this was just like the best project in the world. And the project went really well, uh, except for a couple of things. I realized that I was working um, really long hours. And I realized that while I enjoyed the technical aspect of the site transformation, I wasn't really connected to the purpose behind it. There was something that was missing there. And so we worked pretty hard on this particular deliverable, and um, I got to a point where I realized that I wasn't in the right place. And I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but like you're, you're kind of like, it's like you're doing the work, but you're just like, this isn't the right place for me right now. And I still had a little bit of learning and discovering to do on what exactly that was, but um, I had to part ways. And um, I realized that at that same moment um, that because I had been immersing myself in work so much, um, I wasn't really taking care of myself health-wise. So I, um, I was 
you know, I, I definitely had to deal with some personal consequences in my life. Uh, the relationship I was in, we had, uh, we had broken up, uh, work wasn't working. So I had this really incredible experience and I, I use the word incredible now, <laughs> but it was very painful at the time. I had this experience where work was, had kind of dissolved and then my personal life had kind of like shifted. So I couldn't hide in my personal life from work and I couldn't hide in, in work from my personal life. So I, I did what all humans do and I left my job and, and went home and stayed in my pajamas for about, you know, a couple of weeks and had some Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> You treated yourself, right? And like as they say. <laughs> I, yes, I did. I did, and um, you know, after trying all flavors of Ben and Jerry's and immersing myself into Netflix and Hulu, motivation slowly started trickling back into my life, and I realized now that that was the beginning of my personal transformation. Um, and what I did after that moment is really what brought me here today. Um, as motivation crept back in, I, um, I went on a trip and, you know, I thought, I told myself, I'll, I'll just go on this couple of month excursion adventure and I'll come back and get a job and I'll be refreshed and rejuvenated. And so my plan was to surf in Morocco to hike to Everest base camp and to surf in Bali and come back and, and get a job. And I mean, what, what more could you ask for? Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And right. <laughs> I, and uh, you know, after traveling for that many months, I realized, uh, you know, I, I got hit with the impact that I was having on the planet. Uh, so I was in these remote places, you know, being the outdoors woman that I am and, uh, you know, bringing in my fair share of pollution, you know, plastic water bottles because I couldn't drink the water, my granola bar, mylar wrappers, because, you know, just in case I need a boost of energy and that, that trash wasn't something that, that, that those communities could easily recycle. It wasn't part of their infrastructure. And I was able to get this global view because, you know, I had planned these three destinations in such a short amount of time and was able to really like get hit hard with the consequences of that. So my plan to come back and just get a, you know, another job was just, it went, <laughs> it just exploded. I had, um, I, there was a, something that had been lit within me uh, that I felt very um, drawn to using the skills that I had developed on process and people, but to really transfer that into planet. Mm. And um, so I came back and I uh, created my own curriculum uh, for me to design a curriculum that I now offer clients. And that's really using nature as a resource to problem solve within organizations. So and I do this that. in three different yeah. ways. Yeah. 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 So it, it's like when I, when I tell people that na nature can help uh, you know, their ROI, they're like, what? Like, yeah, you I'm know, skeptical at best, what Eric. kind of hippie are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so nature does a couple of things for us. And, and, um, 
and this is what I what what I uh, you know teach my clients. So if you look at our current organizations and the way we're working, we're working with a lot of distractions. We're working with a lot of stress. So one of the things that nature teaches us um, is. Uh, or philosophies that are rooted in nature, I should say, is how to structure your workday to what's best for human biology. So that means answering uh, questions for organizations like, you know, when should we really be having these strategic meetings? When should we be having, you know, when should we be allowing employees to have like productive time at their desk uninterrupted? Uh, should we really be having lunch meetings? Um, you know, when should we be encouraging breaks? What kind of foods should we be offering in the break room? Those sort of questions uh, organizations deal with from an employee engagement perspective and an employee health perspective. And so there's philosophies that are rooted in nature that help address those questions when I work with clients. And the second way that we use nature is, um, well, if you look at all of the processes and systems and even some of the products, if you will, that are in nature, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, there, uh, nature is a perfect playground for observing resilient, flexible, nimble processes, which organizations strive to uh, move towards, whether you're in a manufacturing or a business process related environment. So I use nature in what's called biomimicry, which means you look to nature as a case study and uh, draw from the principles of that particular uh, case study, if you will, to apply in your processes and, and teams. And then the third way that I use nature is really, it's, it's like the secret behind innovation. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced just taking a hike in the woods on your own or just hanging out with your dog or just sitting on the beach, there's a calmness that comes to the mind that really allows the individual to really embrace and think of new ideas. It calms the mind and kind of opens the heart, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I use nature in my workshops in different ways, um, definitely to appeal to all the senses, to really um, engage the team in a more, in a, in a healthier, innovative practice. And so there's, those are the three ways that I use uh, nature in, in my business. Uh, the results that I typically get with clients are, um, you know, if you're a, you know, minimum 30% reduction in non-productive activities, uh, you know, and coupled with a 20% or more increase on the employee engagement side. So if you're a Fortune 500 company, um, this is like a six, seven figure cost savings mm -hmm. just within a one day workshop. Yeah. So nature, nature has a lot to teach us, and uh, and I don't think we use her enough as far as you know, uh, you know, um, with the magic behind stress reduction and creativity and and certainly innovation. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about. Um, I, I can see what you're saying in terms of um, those things existing. Tell me a, a little bit about like when a company is coming to you. Are they, what are the pains they're experiencing that, mm -hmm. that those solution, those are solu those tactics, if you will, become solutions for, right? So are they saying, yeah. like, I just feel like everyone is stressed at work or we're not achieving the potential we think we can, or we're always slow on delivery of, of orders or fulfillment. Um, 
what are some of those those kind of symptoms that they're telling you when they come to come to find you and end up working with you? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, so I call these symptoms the business as usual symptoms, you know, like the high turnover, um, the heroic efforts to meet deadlines, the um, um, the repetitive mistakes, um, the <laughs> the you know the, this constant feeling like nobody's communicating in the best optimal way, um, you know th th those business as usual symptoms like. Um, I have to go home and write the emails that I didn't have time to write during the day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, those are um, those are the symptoms that I look for um, from, you know, from an organizational standpoint. You know, I work across all three sectors. Uh, so, you know, private, nonprofits and public sectors. And so, you know, I'll you know, a lot of the nonprofit clients that I work with have um, have a desire to really um, solidify or optimize their fund development pipelines. And for nonprofits, especially because they're already already running lean on resources, um, we use nature as a way to change the mindset from that of scarcity to abundance. Especially, and this is incredibly important when you're uh, when you're looking for funds, right? Uh, that can be a very stressful job. Um, when I work with private sector clients, it's usually around like optimization on a process, or it's around culture. So I do a lot of transformation work. Uh, so with private and public sector clients, it's really about touching into what are the results that you're currently getting? What do you desire in the future state? And rooting down to what are the behaviors and the beliefs that are driving those results? And so for that exercise, we bring in different types of toolkits, depending on whether it's a more technical issue or a more culture-related issue. Um, always they're intertwined, but you know, a one-day workshop usually focuses on one or the other or a little bit of both and, and, and uh, that requires different toolkits to get brought in. And so it's really, I work, you know, in a nutshell, I really work with clients that are seeing that the way business as usual is working for them is not a viable state anymore. And they have a deep desire to move towards a future state that does. Gotcha. So tell me about the workshop a little bit and how do you introduce mm -hmm. these kind of concepts? Um, because they sound, I mean, they sound good, but then it's like, how does that mm -hmm. actually come into practice? How do you get people over, you know, if someone is coming to you and saying, Hey, we have high turnover, we have this like um, constant rush um, and urgency, always rushing um, to get things out, get things done. Um, as you unpack those, I imagine those are underlying things that are causing those, right? Those are just symptoms of right. things. So um, can you speak to just the format of the, of the workshop and what are you kind of, how are you helping them kind of sort through their, their issues? <laughs> right. So there's always a little arc that happens and it's the same arc. There's always a, um, there's always the diagnostic, right? Like, you know, you have to kind of, uh, build a picture together, if you will, of what's currently happening. And there's got to be some sort of um, agreement and alignment that this is the current state of our business. And so, we, and, and so that's a very important piece. And that's really a lot of diagnostic tools. So, 
you know, follow the sun. We, we don't, we're not just using the innovative nature related tools. We're also using traditional business methodologies because we need to. So it's kind of like an integration of both. So after this alignment of the current state, after the diagnostic, <clears throat> there's this, there's this place where you pause <laughs> and you have to have this moment about, um, well, what is our future state? What is that going to be? And that moment is a very interesting moment for organizations. A lot of my experience um, has, um, I used to work with organizations a lot where immediately the future state design would be, um, would be rooted from where they thought their competitors were. So it was rooted from a mindset of scarcity. It's like, okay, well, we've got to do this. We've got to do this because X, Y, and Z is doing that. And we can't, you know, we can't not do that, which, and I'm not dismissing that, but what follow the sun does is it creates a pause between designing the future, between uh, the current state and the future state design that allows um, organizations to look at different types of examples, including examples in nature of how processes and systems are working in an optimal way. And then from that space, from that, from that space of not only viewing the case studies, and hopefully, you know, if, uh, if budget allows, we're, we're in an outdoor workshop. Uh, if not, I have some great PowerPoint slides that will, mm. you know, that still have the same effect. Um, with that aspect, with that taking the time to really think about what principles you want to draw into the future state uh, with your team, what beliefs you want to move away from, from that place, then we begin designing a future state. And so there's what I've noticed is that if you take an example of where you just walk into a room for traditional brainstorming and you just say, okay, think of all the ideas you have for this particular problem statement and you just go in cold, right? You've prepped them with the problem statement you've aligned. You go in and you just ask for ideas. They'll give you like this many ideas, right? But if you go in, you lay out the current state, you build it with them, and then you show them examples of nature and how they are part of nature and how that's an influence for their future state design, just in traditional brainstorming, the ideas more than double. Wow. And so then that, so that is, that's the power behind this curriculum. That's the power behind nature, really. And that's what you really want from your employees. You know, you have a lot of, you have a lot of talent in these organizations. It's just muddled in the fact that there's a lot of inefficiencies. So I help organizations bring out that talent that they already have. And, and, and then again, you know, co-create a future state that works best for them. And then, of course, then after that, the planning happens and the implementation. Yeah. So you're really like painting that picture of what the full, the fullness of the potential is. And it sounds like really helping them unlock some of the mental locks that they have or the mental hurdles. Um, like you said, scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. Um, right. Yeah. No, that, that's really interesting. Yeah, some of the some of the common language that you might hear in an organization that maybe is a little more skewed towards the scarcity mindset, or maybe even a more reactive state is like, well, we've already tried that once. Um, it, that, that won't ever work here. 
Um, you know, comments like that where, where individuals are locked in um, to a current, a current frame of thinking. Um, I'm not saying that, that, you know, that, that um, they certainly didn't get to that point without, you know, uh, their own experience and, and, you know, not to honor that, but we, we move away from that. We shift into a different mindset when we design our current, our future state, excuse me, of organization. And we move from a reactive one to a more creative one. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's, um, how do you prevent them from going back to a reactive state? <laughs> Meaning like, okay, yeah. they got to the reactive state, um, because of a set of behaviors that they had, and maybe that was shaped by mindset and, and outlook, but how do you prevent the digression there? Um, yeah, could you speak to that a little mm-hmm. bit? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great question. So transformation happens one person at a time. And if you look in the change management um, umbrella of, of um, services, you'll also find that change happens one person at a time. So when we look at changing from a current state to a future state, it really roots down to beliefs, right? And so there's individual practices that people can use to sustain transformation. And those are very commonly known as meditation, um, having a good morning routine. Um, A lot of us have a tendency to wake up, look at the device and get, you know, inundated with the emails, the texts, the messages. Um, It's about creating pauses in your life that help you remain connected into that creative state instead of operating from a reactive state. So it needs to start at the individual level. And that's why I weave in a lot of um, biology into my workshops. Like we don't have workshops that run nine hours straight without a break. Um, I, um, when I work with clients, I make sure and honor the, um, the times of the day that are best for, um, alone solo work or like small teamwork versus the times of the day that are best for ideation. Um, so when we begin to work at that level and bring that level of awareness to an organization that begins to slowly shift the way the organization works. And so it's really, I mean, it is up to the groups of individuals to sustain their transformation, but certainly there's tools that you can bring in on an individual level to help you remain grounded, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Cause I think, uh, again, like you said, you know, initially when you spoke about the workshop and it's painting a picture of, of possibility, it's painting a picture of a future mm-hmm. in the same way, um, your painting a picture of how habits, routines, times of day, um, you know, all these things are affecting you or setting you into a reactionary state too. That's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that way, you're saying, hey, let's have an awareness around this, like a holistic view of what is causing this constant, you know, digression into a reactive state. Right. And that happens on the individual level, but it also happens on an organizational level, right? There's belief systems around how an organization needs to make decisions, who needs to be included. Um, those types of things are beliefs that we look at that may not be sustaining for the future state. And so those are things that we work on shifting and they become practices. Just like 
you know, just like, an, you know, you're trying to adopt a new meditation practice in the morning, like there's, you know, there's an equivalent for that in an organization. Maybe you start meetings with a check-in or, um, you know, or maybe you have a certain meeting at a certain time of day, right? And allow, um, allow for the agenda to flow a little different than typical meetings do. So there's little practices that you do to sustain it. And there's, little, and there's practices certainly that you do during the implementation of the future state. I don't want to, I don't want to just skip over that, right? Like it's not just about talking about it and painting the picture. It's also about creating the plan and uh, creating the movement that needs to happen in order to implement that stage. Yeah. So tell me to bring it, to bring it kind of a little bit into conclusion, tell me a little bit about um, what, it, what is something that you would advise someone that's listening to this podcast that says like, yeah, that sounds like, you know, my organization could use that or, oh man, my, my, I wish my boss would go to that, you know, or had the whole, <laughs> um, tell me about something that um, you, what piece of advice would you give to that person or something that they could start even without your help to get down that road, you know, um, to understanding and, and hopefully making some level of change um, inside the organization. Oh, I love that question. You know, <laughs> it's a very simple practice and it's very powerful. Um, what about going to the next meeting and asking everyone how they feel about the work that they're doing? Yeah. And take a moment to really pause and create some space for candid conversation. You know, you can have a, a, a round, you know, you can go around the table if you'd like. Um, you can, I, I recommend that if you do that, that you role model that, that you go first. Um, and then also uh, I recommend that you uh, honor the agenda by, and but I mean by that is being respectful of people's time. That, that activity usually takes, you know, a little bit of time um depending on the number of people that are in the room so carve out some time on the agenda to uh to do you know an initial check-in if you will so i think bringing in that level of um, connection into an organization is different and it's also very much needed uh, people don't work at their best when they don't feel connected to the work that they're doing, when they don't feel connected to the people that they're doing it with, and that where they don't feel connected to a greater purpose beyond themselves. Mm. So it starts just with a tiny little question, you know, how's everyone feeling today? Role model it and make sure you have enough time for everyone to kind of share. That's great. No, that's great advice. I think I could see how that would, that would radically that would ra radically be a, a good radical uh, shift yeah. of a meeting. It's like a, a pattern interrupt, right? It's like they have a, right. there's a normal, normal like emotional state, physical state that people go into when they go into a meeting, um, whether it's right. in a meeting room or is, you know, a video call or something like that. And it's like, oh, this is, that just broke my, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, I, I mean, I've worked in these environments before and the reason I do this work is because I've definitely gotten burnt out. And, um, but you know, sometimes we just get into this mindset where just like, go, go, go and do, do, do. And we lose the connection to ourselves and our teams and our organizations. And so it's, 
and, and this is what I'm talking about, bringing the pause back into the day-to-day -day life so that we start kind of reconnecting with the human side of the business. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Well, thanks, Erica. Um, so people can find you at followthesunflow.com, right? That is correct. That's flow with an F, uh, not slow. <laughs> okay, followthesunflow.com. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you wanted to add or anything else, uh, any other places that they can find you besides like LinkedIn, obviously. Yeah. I'm in LinkedIn. I'm, um, um, my name is listed, uh, Erica Medina Stanulis. Um, so M E D I N A. And, uh, my email is Erica at follow the sun flow.com, or you can reach me through the website as well. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah. Thanks for being on. I think it was really good. I think you offered a really unique perspective and I think something someone could start like tomorrow, you know, implementing to something. Yes. Else, so. well, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's start tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> this podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.